The following programme is made possible by the friends and partners of Creation Today. Evolution is not a new idea. However, the scientific excuse for believing it is. See, prior to the 1800s, the dominant view of Earth's history was taken from the Bible and from the writings throughout history, such as the records from nearly every civilization telling us of a worldwide flood. Today, the dominant theory is old earth evolution, an idea that is in direct contrast with biblical creation. So what changed? Why do many people see the earth as old in contrast to 200 years ago when most people saw it as young? Well, the truth behind this drastic change is something everyone should know about. Today, we're going to look at the men who made the earth look old. Welcome to the Creation Today Show, where we bring together interviews with experts and solid Bible teaching. Your host, Eric Hovind, affirms the ultimate authority of God's Word, the truth of creation, and why it matters to you. Well, welcome to 2023, everyone, as your desire to be a better you is renewed and your resolutions are put to the test. I'm sure already you're on uh, day number four. Uh, I'm so thankful you're taking time to learn through creation today. We're going to start this year off with an explosive episode. You're going to be shocked to hear the truth about why people wanted the earth to look old. This is going to enlightening, enlighten you. Hey, if you're joining me on Facebook or on YouTube or on our podcast or television show, we just want to say thank you for peering into the Creation Today community for this conversation. We're, we're just a group of people being discipled through weekly conversations so that we can be all God has called us to be. And if you ever want to join our discipleship community, come on over to creationtoday.org and just partner with us. To my Creation Today partners on here, thank you guys. I want you to know that we really are making a difference and it is exciting uh, to see and look back on 2022 and see the number of people that we reached blew my mind. Uh, you really are having an impact around the world and the people that come across our resources are telling us that they are being so, so blessed. Matter of fact, David came across uh, our videos and here's what he said. This is a very enlightening video. I discovered it by mistake, but God makes no mistakes. I think it's his way of leading me back to him. Thanks to everyone who made this and for your great work in his name. Truly awesome. Well, David, thank you for writing and sharing that with us. We certainly appreciate it. And, uh, and partners, thank you guys. We are, we are really making a difference. Um, hey, if you are making a resolution this year, I'm kind of curious what it is. So throw your resolution in the comments, your New Year's resolutions in the comments, so I can either learn or laugh uh, with you as we figure out if you can actually accomplish those things. Hey, my guest today uh, is Milt Marcy. He wrote a book called The Emperors Who Had No Clothes. And to introduce... Uh, to introduce Milt to you, I want to read a quote from Bill Cooper. Bill Cooper is a creation writer, uh, passed away a couple years ago, but is a creation writer. And when he got this book, 
Here's what he wrote on Amazon as his review. He said, creationists have been waiting for this book for many years, and now it's here. It was well worth waiting for. Between the covers is an in-depth look at what really caused the widespread acceptance of evolution theory, which pervaded the entire spectrum of human thought and philosophy in the 19th century, and which still deceives the world today. Morrissey takes us behind the scenes into a world of dark intrigue, which many have suspected was there, but for which proofs are often lacking. And our author doesn't take this opportunity to rant or rail against the men involved. On the contrary, he quietly and efficiently hangs them upon their own gallows, delving into hidden correspondence and even into their own ready confessions which were made to one another when these men believed that their words would remain hidden from the general public, a public which they worked so hard to deceive. Ladies and gentlemen, I could not have said it better myself. My guest today is the author of The Emperors Who Had No Clothes, Exposing the Hidden Roots of the Evolutionary Agenda. Please welcome Mr. Milt Marcy. Mr. Marcy, thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you, Eric. It's a joy to be here. I saw you several months ago when I was up there in Portland, Oregon at the Design Science Association. By the way, shout out to all of you who continue the Design Science Association meetings every month. They do an amazing job. It was such a privilege to meet you and get exposed to your book, which you've just redone. Wow, how long have you been studying these cons? I was blown away reading these pages of this book to understand the history of older thinking. How long have you been studying this? Well, uh, to be quite frank with you, um, ever since I became a committed uh, creationist, which was 40 years ago. Wow. But it was, uh, I, I only got serious about delving into the deep details of it when I decided to write a book about it. As I think most nonfiction writers do, they have a hunch about something and then they delve into the the details to find out if their hunch is correct. Um, I had a hunch about something that I felt, if my hunch is correct, it's going to set the world on its ear. And uh, I was pretty sure that I had a very good hunch. Uh, but the more I got into it, the more I realized that, hey, this is exactly true. And I found one of my biggest allies to be a geologist from 200 years ago that was at that time by Georges Cuvier was called the foremost geologist in the whole world. Uh, that was uh, Jean-André Deluc. And uh, Deluc quite openly stated, now, now first of all, let me, before I tell you what he said, uh, uh, he was, uh, he knew about James Hutton, who was the uh, basically the person who we're going to say started all of this nonsense in the Western world. Uh, Deluc knew much about Hutton, and he publicly uh, he publicly said many things about Hutton dreaming this up as a way to do away with religion, basically the Bible. And uh, you know, you don't find scientists often. Uh, well, sometimes they'll criticize another science, a scientist, but it's usually about the details of their work. Uh, they disagree with it. They they won't publicly uh, defame that person. But Deluc was quite upfront in his public comments that Hutton 
was uh, selling a deception. And the purpose for which he was doing, Duluth was a devout Christian, uh, the purpose for which he was doing it was to destroy the Bible. And uh, that had been tried many times in the 18th century, uh, but I think Hutton was by far the most successful at using so-called science to make it appear that the Bible was false. Well, you got to back up and give us a little bit of overview. And just, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, just chapter one, how did we get here, is worth the entire book itself. To understand where the old earth worldview was born out of. And uh, I, I, I'm, Mr. Marcy, I just look forward to learning and for other people learning this information. But you got to kind of catch us up on a big picture overview. Historically, Young Earth creation, biblical view, around the 18th century, turn of the 18th century, we start getting ad adopting an old earth view, which is now heavily adopted. Okay, so how how do we, can you give us the big picture overview of how we went from, from young earth to old earth? And then let's sure. get into Hutton specifically. Sure. Um, the uh, old earth view uh, was was not something that was, it was something that was always conjured about in the past. And uh, if you look in uh, Hindu uh, records, you'll find some mentions of hundreds of thousands of years. Uh, but in the Western world, uh, most everybody believed in the biblical timeline. So the earth was created somewhere around 5,700 years prior. And uh, depending on what calendar you're using, but it was within several hundred years of that, no matter what calendar you were using. Then, uh, James Hutton, uh, actually the French started adopting some of the, the old earth views. Hutton came in contact with that. He, he, uh, had to flee Scotland because he, he got a girl pregnant and, uh, he had to, one of the, uh, ways that they had of dealing with that at that time was for the guilty male to leave that area. So he was at, uh, to be studying at Edinburgh university and uh, he decided to go to Paris and uh, continue his studies there. Well, that was right when the French Revolution was just beginning. Uh, the, the ideas were really starting to get hot at that time, and, and he came into contact with all those people, including uh, Comte de Buffon, Georges Leclerc, um, who had written a book about uh, the formation of the earth, and he ascribed it to, I think he, he put a, timeline time on it of 80,000 years. Uh, the Jesuits came against him for that, and they retracted it. Uh, but then he started writing about the same thing. And Hutton adopted those views, and then he started uh, doing the research to try to prove. He never proved anything, but, but through politics, he was able to uh, get some people to accept his view that, oh, the earth is what he called millions of ages old. And uh, so that that was the linchpin that started. Uh, Charles Lyle picked up on that and popularized it. And, of course, we know Lyle's book, uh, Principles of Geology, was one of the two books that Darwin took aboard the Beagle on his five-year voyage, and Darwin soaked that up. But Darwin's views are mostly about geology, but when he got back, he started spending more time thinking about how those old-age views could appeal to uh, biology. And then they came up with... Uh, the book that we know all about, the origin, and uh, but he sat back and didn't want to uh, 
spread that information. He knew how volatile it was, but some of his friends were quite eager to spread that information, and not only that, but to force it down the throat of the public, even into the churches, and the clergy uh, backtracked. Uh, instead of fighting against it, they backtracked and, and made excuses for why the Bible can, can be uh, coordinated with these old earth views. Of course, that's ridiculous because they, we, as the book will show you, the old earth views were came about for this for the actual purpose of destroying the Bible. So why in the world would we want to include them in in our interpretation of what the Bible has to say? Well, and that's exactly why I wanted to have this conversation. Why this book was so enlightening to me because. I have friends that we call OECs, Old Earth Creationists, and they believe, hey, maybe the old world view does fit with the Bible. Maybe these two can come together. And when you start understanding the reasoning behind why these men that we give credit to and that came up with and that pushed the old earth ideas and developed them, it's a what we have today. You go, that's the last thing that we want to merge or to try to mix with scripture is an old earth worldview. You don't want old earth views and Bible coming together because these were born out of a out of a mindset of how do we get rid of the Bible. And that, when you expose that, it was powerful. So just to give you guys a recap, you had Hutton, who wrote uh, Theory of the Earth in 1795, uh, read from him and born when he, the same year he died, was Lyell, um, uh, the, the guy who came up with Geologic Column. And then you had Darwin, who came up with evolution in 1859. And then you had uh, Darwin's bulldog, Thomas Huxley, that kind of pushed the evolution worldview uh, into, into people's lives, into politics and religion uh, that we have today. So there's the overview of what happened. And, and you're right, Mr. Marcy, before this time, it was mostly a young earth worldview that people had adopted. So, okay. Let's start on person number one then. How did we get uh, to here from young earth to old earth? And it seems like James Hutton was really the linchpin there. Uh, Hutton uh, got the ball rolling. Uh, one to go back uh, and just enlighten a little bit further. To say that we can include evolution in the Bible is no more extreme than saying, I think we can put Satan in the Bible and make him a good guy. Uh, wow. we, we can... We can put Satan in there. He and God can get along. Um, is, that's no more ridiculous than putting evolution in the Bible. Wow. But um, Hutton, um, he, he actually, his ideas were not accepted uh, during his lifetime. Uh, when he died in 1797, uh, he knew no big success with his ideas. Uh, but he had written the book. He, he had written several books, actually. Uh, he was a prolific writer, but not very good. <laughs> well, but uh, his his two young friends, John Playfair and uh, Sir James Paul, uh, were excited about Hutton, and they uh, formed a club called Friday Club in Edinburgh to to uh, popularize Hutton's ideas. And uh, they were not highly successful either. But Hall in 1824 met. Uh, Charles Lyell. Lyell had been doing some geologizing in Scotland, and on the way back, he stopped and visited with uh, with uh, Paul, and uh, Paul took him out to Sicker Point, uh, which was where Hutton took the young 
uh, Hall and Playfair back in uh, 1785. Uh, so here we are, the older Hall taking the young Lyle out to see Sicker Point. And Sicker Point is quite a dramatic, uh, if you've ever seen it, there's some pictures in the book of Sicker Point, and, and the new book will have those in color so you can really see the uh, the what's going on there. Uh, but uh, he used his personality and his status uh, to impress upon these young men that all of these things had to happen very quickly. But he didn't provide any scientific proof that they happened nearly, or, or I mean, uh, he used it to, to show that they happened slowly. Uh, I'm sorry, I totally misrepresented. Yeah, so the opposite. He was trying to say, this proves long ages, these these rock yeah. layers right here. Yeah. And the rock layers didn't prove anything by themselves. It's, it's the interpretation of the rock layers. And uh, now uh, many creationist geologies, uh, geologists will tell you that that uh, Sickler Point is one of the best evidences in the world of a worldwide flood. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, there are many features of Sickler Point. Uh, for instance, all of the, uh, the sand grains and uh, smaller particles are all jagged. Anything that happens over millions of years, uh, you end up with what looks like river rock. They're all rounded off, uh, the, including the sand grains. Uh, the uh, area over which uh, Sicker Point was a part of a, a process uh, that it covered hundreds and hundreds, of maybe several thousand square miles. It wasn't a river that overflowed. Uh, <laughs> it was a it was a worldwide flood, and it had to be catastrophic in order to bury the things that are in it. Uh, without them decay. So, uh, it, but anyway, uh, he was very, uh, very good at convincing people of the truth of his argument. Lyle then picked it up and wrote a book with, with uh, the book that he wrote was one of the two books that uh, Darwin took aboard the Beagle and, and he devoured that book. And that was Principles of Geology in 1830. Principles of Geology, yes. And for my younger listeners, I need you guys to understand, in, in the 1800s, in the end of the 1700s, uh, beginning of the 1800s, things did not move as quickly as they move today. Today, you've got a cell phone, you can hear about news or read a book or get an article, boom, 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 boom. So to have Hutton's book written in 1795 and then have that book in in 18, you said 24, be presented by Hall to Lyle and really get that, I mean, that's... That's not a long time when you think of the time frames of how quickly things moved back then, is it? Well, that's that's pretty quick. Yeah, yeah I'm, sure, I'm sure Playfair and Paul were a little frustrated that it didn't happen faster. Uh, but yeah, that that that's what quarter of a century. Right. So in 25 years, uh, Hutton's work is finally getting taken taken off and now presented to Charles Lyell, who really swallowed that and ran with it. Exactly, and and Lyle was a master at uh, creating information that he could sneak in the back door, <laughs> and uh, uh, he he was not a man like uh, later we have Huxley who would stand up in front of a crowd and he would uh, publicly uh, lambaste creationists, and uh, the creationists would cower in the corner when he was talking, and uh, and he. And people were impressed by that, and he was able to force these views onto uh, not only the public but the the clergy. Uh, Lyle was just as effective, but he didn't stand up in front of people. He wrote books, 
that contradicted the Bible, but he never said a word about the Bible. But people are smart enough to read this and stop and think, well, this sounds very scientific, and science by that time was getting a wide hearing and lots of respect uh, in, in that 19th century world. And they said, well, this, con this, con this science here contradicts the Bible, so the Bible must have some uh, errors in it. And if you got errors at the very foundation of the Bible, where God tells us how and when the, everything was created, how can we believe the details that come later? Exactly. So, man, there's there's so much I want to cover with you because this is this is so important. Um, I want to get into Hutton's life because I, I want to get to the why. Why did he want the earth to be old? And 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 you, like you just said, Lyle would just simply give these quote scientific facts, and we're against the Bible without saying I don't believe the Bible. He would just present this stuff. But before we get to Hutton, real quick, give us the the lay of the land, so to speak, because by the time by the time uh, Charles Darwin's bulldog comes along, by the time Huxley's here, you could openly speak out against the Bible. But man, a hundred years earlier, that wasn't the norm. That was looked down upon. Matter of fact, people were were killed for blaspheming, uh, saying things blasphemous against against God a uh, hundred years earlier. So, can you give us a little quick overview of kind of the lay of the land? Well, the interesting thing is that Scotland uh, was probably the main nation uh, back in uh, after uh, that we had the Reformation in the 1500s. Uh, Scotland, by 1560, uh, just uh, 43 years after uh, we had the, the posting on the door of the 96 Theses uh, by Luther, or Martin Luther, uh, Scotland, under John Knox, became a very Christian nation and they quickly adopted uh, all of these uh, all of these reforms, laws, whatever whatever they even made uh, it mandatory that uh, churches would support schools. So the whole uh, Scottish uh, public now would be educated. They wanted people to be educated because now the the Bible was reproducible in mass, and uh, so they felt like their population needed to be able to read, so they could read the Bible, the most important thing in life. And uh, so they were a very Christian nation, but there's always pushback. And so 200 years later, uh, Scotland was beginning to uh, get ideas. Uh, people were beginning to copy the French, and the French were pretty vocal about trying to do away with the church. And in 1789, we had the French Revolution, which oh, yeah. uh, most of our public knows probably that was one of the bloodiest revolutions of all time, and it was mainly a uh, a, a, a violent overthrow of the church. Um, and th these people didn't know exactly what they were rebelling against, but they knew that there was something that was constricting them. And, and to be frank with you, the church was very oppressive. Uh, so uh, Scotland, at that time, uh, if we want to get then directly into the details of Hutton, uh, he, from a very early age, seemed to be quite uh, a rebellious young lad and uh, did not uh, adhere to uh, Christianity. Now, in the Scottish schools, he would have gotten some teaching about that, but then later you find out that, uh, well, he got fired in his first job after he got out of school because he totally uh, 
went outside of what he was told to do. And then when he was 21, he got a young lady pregnant and had to leave and go to France. And uh, we find lots of things. And then you start looking at the quotes that you'll find in the book later. You'll find that this man was not only not a Christian, he was a pretty uh, worldly individual. And obviously, he wanted to defend his worldview. He didn't want Christianity telling him what to do. Uh, he was very much a rebel against authority of all kinds. And uh, so to do that, as everybody today who's in that same boat, you have to develop some kind of mental uh, structure that allows you to say, I reject that, and here's why I'm right. Because if you aren't right and you're rejecting it, then, uh, of course, we know that even if you think you are right, if you're not, you suffer the consequences. But people like to have some kind of a intellectual edifice to uh, base their theology on. And, and his theology, if you want to call it that, was, uh, look, science shows that the Bible isn't uh, correct. And so why should we believe it? I think it's interesting because uh, I forget the gentleman's name, Paul, and then I forget his last name, wrote a book called Intellectuals. In his book, Intellectuals, that's what he examined was these men of the past that, that you know, Marx and those that really shaped culture that we see today they did not look for the truth and then live that out. Instead, just like Hutton, they said, here's how I want to live. Now let me either create or adopt a worldview that is okay with the way that I want to live. And when you went through Hutton's life and Hutton's personal writings, where he would elaborate on his escapades with women and talk about the things that he did with his friends, you just go, oh my goodness, he, he's trying to find an excuse to get rid of thou shalt and thou shalt not. He's, he's, he's actively trying to develop a worldview that can go against the Bible. And uh, by the time we get to Lyle, uh, well, I don't know if we'll get to that today, but by the time we get to Lyle, Lyle even says that openly. So, so keep, keep, I would love some more details and stories about Hutton, and then I want to get into Lyle. Uh, before we get to that, man, I've got to let social media go. Uh, I'm so sorry. YouTube and Facebook, this is going to be a deep conversation into the truth about the men who made the world look old. James Hutton comes up with this idea, and it's pushed uh, over the next quarter century and then finally adopted. But Hutton's personal life was was a living contradiction to the truth of Scripture. And then to see what Lyle did and use something that was incredible evidence for the flood and say, no, this is evidence for the geologic column. When you understand this, you should not want to bring old earth together with the Scripture. That's not what it was meant to do. It was meant to, to, separate, old, uh, to separate the Bible and actually uh, discredit the Word of God. Mr. Marcy, do you have any, before my YouTube and Facebook uh, followers and the podcast and television listeners leave, um, any, anything that they need to know? I, like, I want to tell them where to get the book. Uh, I, I know that uh, we'll probably carry it at the creation store, but you got Amazon, other places. Any, any, how would you wrap that up for them before we go even deeper? Uh, you did a very good job, by the way, of encapsulating it right there. Uh, one thing I would like to tell our listeners is that the, uh, the book title has been changed. Uh, the, the subtitle is now the title, and the title is now the subtitle. Oh, so it's nice. Yeah, and uh, 
the cover will look different than the one that Eric is showing us there. Um, but uh, and our website is uh, evolutionexposed.com. Oh, I love it. Well, we'll make sure we put links in the comments for you guys, but evolutionexposed.com, uh, available on Amazon. So exposing the hidden roots of the evolutionary agenda. And that ultimately, when you, when you understand that the evolution worldview is absolutely in direct contest to the creation worldview, I mean, they're diametrically opposed to one another. And then you go, well, how did the evolution worldview get here? And you realize that wasn't possible without an old earth worldview. And you get all the way to the old earth worldview and you say, well, why did we come up with an old earth worldview? And you find out it was from a guy named Hutton who wanted an excuse for living and being with whatever women he wanted. You go, whoa. Whoa, all of a sudden everything starts falling into place. Satan has an agenda. Yea, hath God said, you shall not surely die. He wants men to believe that they can be God. And that's exactly what the evolution worldview has done, is it said, we are the supreme being. We decide, and there are people who have adopted that who now decide that they think they're smart enough to know who can live and die. They're smart enough to know what the world really needs. They're smart enough to know... Um, uh, what should happen with the planet as far as the number of people that should be on it? It leads to some absurdities. And it all started with James Hutton calling the earth old in his book. So, Mr. Marcy, I appreciate the exposure that you gave to this. It was, it was eye-opening to me, and I've been studying creation for the last 20 years of my life, and this was eye-opening going, wow, the background of this is much more sinister than I expected. So thank you. Thank you for allowing me to uh, speak and and present the evidence. And I really appreciate your uh, delving into it and educating yourself on it because you have a wide audience that can really benefit from uh, relaying that information to them. Yeah, both of my friends are on here, so both of them are going to hear it. So, yes. <laughs> um, well, guys, I'm excited. So sorry, YouTube and Facebook. i got to let you guys go. Love you guys. I look forward to seeing you next week, Wednesdays at noon, right here for the Creation Today Show. If you want to join the rest of the conversation with Mr. Marcy or get access to all of our content, come on over to creationtoday.org and partner with us. We'll send the link right out to you. would love to see you partner with us. We're making a difference around the world, one person at a time, and we'd love to have you making a difference with us. God bless you guys. We look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you for joining us for this engaging conversation. To view this and many more conversations in their entirety, we invite you to partner with us at creationtoday.org partner.